Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we love bringing you stories from all over our great country. We've been spending some time in Austin, Texas, at a place called Community First Village, a 51-acre master-planned community that provides affordable, permanent housing and a loving community for men and women who've spent years, often decades, surviving on the streets of Austin. Some people focus on the fact that this village has beautiful RVs, and gorgeous small homes designed by the finest architects in the nation. But that's not this place's secret sauce. No, it's the people who live and work at Community First that make it transformative. To get a sense of that, we'd like you to hear a story from Larry Crawford, 
the fellow who fixes anything and everything that breaks in this community, from air conditioners to trucks. Here's Larry. I bought myself a new truck, and I've always been a kind of the base model truck buying kind of guy. And, but I'm a little older now and I have a little more money. So my wife went shopping with me and she's like, oh, I love this leather. So what I ended up purchasing was the Longhorn Laramie diesel, has all these bells and whistles on. It's got things on the dashboard I still don't know how to work. Uh, it's four wheel drive, it's got fancy wheels and running boards and it's just a really a luxury pickup truck. And because we're in Texas, it's just like a I don't think it's a written law, but it's kind of like a law that when you get a new truck, you got to go show your buddies. You know, you got to go show the guys you work with your new truck. So I'd had the truck about a week. And uh, so I decided to drive it to work and show it to my buddies. And at the end of the day, my wife called me and she, she asked me, she's like, hey, can you go to the grocery store and pick up this one item? And that's several years ago. I don't remember what it was. And so I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So I, I leave work and... I'm heading down Loyola because there's a HEB grocery store at uh, Springdale and 183. So I was heading that way and I saw this homeless guy that I, that I had known for several years walking down the street. And so I just stopped in the middle of the road, rolled the window down. I was like, hey, Mike, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to HEB. And I'm like, jump in. So we go to HEB and, and I'm like, I just need one thing. I said, I'm going to go and get what I need and then I'll just wait for you at the truck and I'll take you, because he lives in a camp uh, not too far from here. And uh, I'll take you back to your camp. And uh, so I, I get my one item and I'm sitting out waiting for him to show up and he comes out of the store, two boxes of beer and, and uh, he's, a, he's a profound alcoholic. And uh, I mean, without exaggeration, I've seen him falling down drunk at 7 a.m. Uh, He's a lovely human being. He just has lost control of his drinking. Anyhow, so I drop him off at his camp. I go home, fix dinner, and the day just ends. I go to bed. You know. And about three weeks later, we do this thing here at the village. We call it Reach Out. And basically, get a bunch of chartered school buses, and we go get the homeless people from the camps in downtown. We bring them out here to the village. We let them take showers, get haircuts, get a real good hot meal, not fast food, but good hot meal. Um, you know, there's somebody here that's like nurses and doctors and check their blood sugars and their diabetes and their blood pressure and do all of these things. And so anyhow, I'm standing over by the corner of the shop and, and I see Mike get off the bus and he's screaming at me. And, uh, and it's not uncommon for homeless people to scream at me because they all want the same thing from me. Uh, I'm a smoker. They want to, hey, you got a cigar? Do you have a cigarette? Do you have, you know? And so I knew that's what Mike wanted. So I'm just sitting there kind of silently and I said, okay, hurry up, Mike, so you can get a smoke from me and I can go on with my business. And he's, as he's approaching me, he's maybe 10 or 12 feet away and I could already smell him because he hadn't had a bath in a long time. And he drops down to his knees in front of me and he takes this old ratty backpack off and he's like, man, I got you something. And I'm like, what do you mean you got me something? He said, man, I bought you a present. I'm like, man, you have to get me nothing. And he's like, no, no. He said, I see how you treat people on the streets. He said, and I wanted to give you a gift. And he said, I noticed in your old truck that you had a Bible that had the same color cover as the interior of your truck. 
And I'd, at that point, I'd been driving that truck for like 12 years, and I didn't realize that the cover on my Bible and my black upholstery were the same color. It never occurred to me. Anyhow, so he had ridden in my new truck, and he said, I got you a Bible that has the same color leather as the leather on the seats in your new truck. And he said, I went to the Bible store. He said, I didn't even realize there was more than one kind of Bible. He said, I told the lady, just sell me the most popular one that had this color leather. He said, the receipt's in the box. He said, and the lady said, you can bring it back and get whatever kind of Bible you read if this is not what you want. And I can tell you right now, it wouldn't matter which Bible, it could have been any, it could have been a Bible in a foreign language. I wouldn't have traded it back in. And at that moment, man, my eyes started leaking. I wasn't like crying or nothing, but I was just like, I just like couldn't believe that this guy, which is like the poorest of all the poor people that you ever met, had bought me a Bible to match the interior of my truck. And and the thought kept going through my head. It's like, man, I, this guy could take this back, get his money back. This, I'm driving an expensive truck. I live in a nice house. I could go buy a box of Bibles and wouldn't even miss the money. But I, and I just get something kept telling me, it's like, no, you need to take this gift from this man. And, and I did. And I still have that Bible still in my truck. And um, uh, it was a lesson for me in the unbelievable generosity of human beings that man probably panhandled for weeks to be able to get enough money for his daily survival and then be able to accumulate the $77 he paid for that Bible. not realizing that he probably could have just went to the local church and asked for one. They probably would have gave him one for free. He didn't get that. But but anyhow, so the struggle that man went through to get that, uh, it's one of my most valued possessions. And uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Great job on that, Stan. And what a message of generosity. It can come from anywhere. And we do these stories about the homeless, about prison inmates, Right next to entrepreneurs' stories, stories about billionaires, because in the end, these are all great American stories and show our heart and our soul. Larry Crawford's Bible Story, here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with Our American Stories. And up next... You've heard from him before, and by the way, go to OurAmericanStories.com and you can hear Mike Levin tell all kinds of stories, not just about his life, but stories you can apply to yours. And that's why we have him tell them. Mike was the President and Chief Operating Officer of Las Vegas Sands Corporation. Google the Singapore casino. Look at what he built and look at what he did in Las Vegas, the number of jobs he created, the options for Americans or people around the world to go to a great resort and enjoy some gambling and some entertainment and have it be safe and clean. Up next, Mike tells the story about he, a Jewish man, 
helped start the Asian American Hotel Owners Association. It's a heck of a story. Take it away, Mike. Let's fast forward to 1985. I get the days in job and the interesting thing about getting the days in job was that I was referred to Henry Silverman by a guy that I had, been, I had fired. There was a guy named Vic Appleby who was the sales director of the Americana Hotel in New York. He, didn't, he was not doing a very good job and I had to let him go. And a few years later, I'm sitting in my office in Chicago and I'm on my way to the airport. I had a trip and I had these message things with all the telephone calls. You know, you had no cell phones then. And uh, I go to a payphone, I call the guy back. I said, Vic, how are you? I haven't spoken to you for three or four years. Why are you calling? He says, well, I'm the sales director for the Tolman Hunley Company and they're looking for, to, to recommend somebody to be the president and chief operating officer of Days Inn and I recommended you. I said, Are you, would you be innocent? I said, sure. Because we're selling, we're selling the assets of Americana Hotels now and I'm not going to have a job in a few months. So, anyway, I get the job. And I, in order to get the job, I'd never been in the economy lodging business and, uh, and I'd never really been. I had some franchises at Dunphy. We had some Sheridan franchises at Dunphy, but I never, and we had one franchise at Americana, but I was never really in the franchise business. And it was a very life-changing experience too. So I decided I would go and sit with a consultant who was at uh, a consulting company in New York, a guy named Dan Daniele, who was supposed to be the guru of economy lodging, or what's just like budget hotels, but you know, the, the euphemism is economy lodging, you know. So, I go see him and he said, oh yeah, he said, you know, you have all these curry palaces there. I said, what's that? He said, well, they're owned by Indians. I said, what do you mean Indians? Sioux? You know, Cherokee? No. Indians from India. Oh, oh those are oh, those Indians. I said to him. I said, yeah, so, so what? He says, well, apparently uh, uh, Henry Silverman and Saul Steinberg bought Days in in September and it's now... Uh, February or March of the following year, and they sold off half of these hotels, many of them to these Indian hotel owners, guys named Patel and Shah and a few people like that, as franchises. I said, so what are you telling me? He says, well, they're very difficult. Why? Well, there's, you know, they call them curry palaces because they live in them and they cook. So the place smells of curry and this stuff and that and whatever. You know, once again, the same, the establishment is, you know, whatever. He's the, the guru of the consulting industry. He's a nice guy too, actually. But once again, you know, this is the way people would label things. So I get the days in and I start meeting with these people and about six or eight months later, I hear the same thing inside the company. Well, the quality scores are down they don't pay their bills, they blah, 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 blah. So I have a guy calls, comes into my office, a guy calls me up named Lee Dushoff. I said, who are you? He says, I do, I do projects for people. I said, come and see me. Just out of the blue. Really nice guy. Comes to see me and he says, look, he said, Mike, I just want to tell you something. If you've got a project that you can't do, Call me, I'll do it. I said, what do you mean? 
He said, well, lots of times I find that people like to do new things in companies, but when they try to do it with the same people, they can't get them done. Well, that makes sense. So he goes away. A couple months later, a guy shows up in my office named H.P. Rama. He's a very, very serious Hindu. He comes to see me, he said, Mike, we have problems. We have billboards up that say American, American owned, which is really derogatory to us because people are saying, don't stay in a, in a Patel owned hotel or an Indian owned hotel, stuff like that. We have problems getting loans from traditional companies and we can't get franchises from anybody else other than the lowest end of the pole. And I think he had a day's end franchise too, this guy. I said, I'll look into it. So I, I, I talked to Dushov, and he said, come see me. But before he did that, I had my people study the hundred or so Asian American owned hotels that we had. Give me the total amount of quality scores. Give me the receivables. Give me all the information on, all this thing, on these hotels. It turns out, they're exactly the same as anybody else in the chain. There was absolutely, if anything, they paid better. I, call, I bring in Lee and HP, we have a meeting, and I said, let's form an association. Let's call it the Asian American Hotel Association. HP, you get me another good, strong Asian guy like yourself, Indian guy like yourself. I'll set up a board of people with some, quote, white people, Asian people, mixed, and uh, we'll start a trade association with the mission being to take your rightful place in the American hotel lodging industry. So I went to Silverman, I said, I need 100,000 bucks for a budget to run a little conference convention, bring in some speakers, do some things like that. And then Lee Dushoff's job was to not only organize it and also help position the company and me in the industry with the Asians. So I marched in the India Independence Day Parade in New York City. I did various things. He got me education. I started reading Bhagavad Gita and other stuff. And I learned more about Hinduism than the average person would ever know. We set the membership fee at $25 to join the association. We had a convention and the other industry people didn't show up to exhibit. I was accused of doing it for business persons anyway. And you fast forward now, 20,000 members, the biggest trade show in the hospitality industry. H.P. Rama became the, the president of AH and LA, the American Hotel and Lodging Association is the first one. They own over 50% of the select service business in the country, plus they're all, all the sons and the next generation are all massively successful entrepreneurs. I sit on the board of an Asian American company that's worth over a billion dollar company that they built from one. When I went to Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn, no one gave them franchises. I had to give them, I gave, once I started to do it, they all started to do it. They jumped on the bandwagon. And I gave a lot of speeches to Indian groups and whatever, and the best thing about it is they never forget. They never forget. What's they, your nickname? Uh, Bapu. What does that mean? Father. 
It was a name for Gandhi. They never forgot. They never forgot. Bapu. That's Mike's nickname. Any Indian hotelier, that's what they call them. And we can all be Bapu. And we can all help the other. And here's the irony. Mike understood the sting of discrimination. And remembering the sign at the Breakers Hotel that said no Jews allowed. And by the way, the Jews were the richest per capita income group in this country, despite discrimination, only to be overcome 10 years ago by Indian Americans, who were now number one. 50% of all hotel franchises owned by this small group of Americans, the wealth they've amassed, understanding capitalism, understanding free enterprise, working hard, risking and sacrificing the American dream wide open for every religion and skin color and minority religions like Jews and Hindus. A beautiful American story, Mike Levin's story, Bapu's story, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And we continue with our American stories. And on this show, we consider it a privilege to honor those who have given their lives in combat for others. And so does Heather McPherson, who is the curator of history at the South Carolina Military Museum. In fact, it's the reason she's at the museum in the first place. Here's Heather to tell us more. So when I was growing up, my mom had... Um, photos on our piano of her uncles. And I was always interested in this one, like, I want to know his story. His name was Ralph Ferguson, and he served in the 29th Division during World War II and landed on Omaha Beach first wave and made it to June 12th um, before he was killed in action. It was about 12 miles in uh, near the L River. So I grew up kind of hearing bits and pieces of that story. And, you know, throughout, you know, teenage, you get, you get other priorities when you're a teenager and everything. But, you know, I loved history class and stuff like that. But I was kind of, you know, every once in a while, I like, dig into his story a little bit. And then, you know, after college, I really dove into it. There's so much more available on the Internet and uh, getting in contact with people and just kind of made it like a side mission of mine to figure out his story. And I just kind of found some sense of purpose trying to tell his story. The family didn't really talk about it. Brothers didn't want to mention him, the mother. And so my grandma grew up not knowing a lot about what happened to him. And same with um, his, his widow, didn't really know a lot. So me being able to piece together his few days you know, in country and what he might have gone through and you know, even finding um, mentions of him in books and stuff. It was, it was just a really incredible journey and just got me more interested in other aspects of World War II and then eventually other military in general. Yeah, I, was, I actually found a mention of him in one of Stephen Ambrose's books. One of the soldiers uh, under his command, he was the second lieutenant in the 29th Division. He was talking like he, uh, he always felt sorry for, for him because he had to read his, his soldier's mail and censor it, and, and, and he, he knew that he was getting really close to these men after having to censor their mail, and that he didn't want to lose any of them. And he, you know, it kind of reminded me of him taking care of his younger brothers and his younger sisters, always being the man of the house, because he actually lost his father a year before he got deployed. So he was like, I'm torn. I, I, I want to take care of my men, but I know my family needs me at home. And it's just, you know, World War II was uh, just an era where so many people stepped up and did what they needed to do. He's writing letters back home, like, you know, his, his mother's learning how to drive for the first time because she doesn't have someone to do that for. And, you know, talking to my grandmother, like, well, haven't you learned how to drive yet, Bertha? And help, help mother, you know, fill the car with gas. And I could just sense, you know, this pull of him wanting to be in two places at once. And uh, there's no telling what he went through on the beaches of Omaha, along with so many other of our, our brave men getting separated from where they were supposed to land and just so much going on. 
and then leading his men um, across the El River. Um, I've heard a couple little excerpts of, he was probably one of the first ones to kind of go ahead. That's what leaders did. They wanted to keep their men out of, out of harm's way and you know, they took the point. Not sure how he got killed. It could have been artillery, it could have been a sniper, but it's one of those things where I started kind of talking about it and, and my, my grandmother started sh sharing stories I'd never heard before. It almost like kind of clicks her memory and like, oh yeah, well he used to, he worked at a drugstore, so he came home smelling like, like coal pills. I don't know what they were putting in those pills, but he, there were these little black pills and they smelled like coal. And I was like, well, it is West Virginia, so everything smells like coal. But um, yeah, it's just these little stories of, uh, that she didn't even, knew she remembered. It's, it's definitely been a journey when you spend that many years researching and really getting to know the person that you've never met. Even my mom said, you know, I, I, I never really met him, but you've, you've almost brought him to life for me. And finally made the, the pilgrimage, if you will, to Normandy in 2019 and got to see his grave. And um, going to see his, his grave site, I was like, why am I getting so emotional about no, someone I've never met? But it's like, I did know him. And being able to share that with with everyone that I was part of the tour with, went with the 29th Division Association. and I was trying to like, I'll just go by myself, but the tour group was going there. So I'm like, well then I, ha I can't just go and not, not go see the gravesite. So I was like, okay, so all these people are now watching this moment that I've been looking forward to for a while. And um, you know, they actually have um, an attendee uh, come with you and you can actually rub sand in, in the yeah, engraved um, part of the, the cross, so the, the letters really pop and that actually signifies, you know, someone who knew this person has, has come to visit it. So I've got one person standing behind me and this little tour group looking on. And I'm like, oh, this is awkward, but it, it was, it just felt like it, the circle was complete. Like, and I've eventually had time just to go back by myself and um, kind of say, hey, Ralph, how you doing? You know, and it's, it's, it really is like I know him. And I think it didn't hit me to like maybe a little bit later, like, okay, yes, take pictures, just make sure. And, you know, I was here, I visited and um, tell everybody like, oh, this is his story. But then later on, I was like, okay, that was a, that was a moment. And yeah, it, it kind of weighs on you after it a little bit. But yeah, that was, that was incredible. I think I was even more impacted when I went to that, the, the actual river where he passed away because, um, it was on June 6th that we had laid some roses down at one of the memorials. So I'd taken that rose and I was like, I'm gonna spread some of the petals in Dale River. I don't know what I was thinking, but it just seemed like the right thing to do. So I did that and um, you know, we were just kind of looking around the river a little bit more and um, let's, let's head down, down a little bit. And those rose petals were there circling. And I was like, well, okay, that's, that's so weird. So we stood there for a little bit and I was like, all right, I guess it's time to go. And then the rose petals left right when I left and I was like, okay, that's something, something's going on here. I don't, I don't, I haven't had really any more experiences like that, but uh, to see those rose petals like waiting on me almost and then leaving as I left, it was almost like Ralph's like, thanks for, for keeping my story alive. I stayed in a bed and breakfast that was literally like two miles from where he was killed. And, and now that family who runs the bed and breakfast, he also has a, a tour group and my great uncle's story gets to be told multiple times throughout the year and his picture is right on the roadside and it's it's just incredible how it how it all turned out my voice is cracking because of it but i'm trying not to <laughs> it's hard it, i mean it's hard and I, I think that's why i love working here is because i i know how it feels and to you know even yesterday i was talking to one of our our donors we're going to be 
showcasing his family at one of our displays and he's like, I'm just so thankful that you're, you're doing this for us because you know, they have the story, but it's almost like they do want to share it. And it's not just for them, like, I, I, well, I want to share what, what these people did. It's like, they want to keep that memory alive. And the more people you tell about it, the more it feels like, you know, well, that person's going to remember that story. And it just keeps, you know, trickling on. These people who are no longer with us have connected so many other people. And, you know, from different states, but also from the United States to France. It's like the, um, the people I stayed with were, one was British, one was Dutch, but now they take care of a marker where my grand uncle died from you know, West Virginia. So it's like these stories bring the whole world together and it's out of something so horrible, but out of it comes something so great as you connect people and, and keep these memories alive of good sons and daughters making the ultimate sacrifice and it just connects everyone in the world. So. You almost forget when you're reading stories that these are people and they had families and a lot of people forget about families even serving today um, that they were serving just alongside you know their men and women in uniform so it's it's i that's what pulls me in is the stories and keeping them alive because almost like the more stories i keep alive in the museum that's one more kind of check mark for ralph going good job you know keeping that story alive And a special thanks to Robbie for doing that story, producing it, bringing it to us. And a special thanks to Heather McPherson for telling the story. She's a curator of history at the South Carolina Military Museum. And telling stories is what she does. And telling stories of those who've paid, well, a real price so that we can enjoy the inheritance we have here in this country. And it's an inheritance, folks. And we didn't do anything for it, so many of us. What a beautiful story about memory and the power of stories. Heather McPherson's story, her great uncle Ralph Ferguson's story, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. (laughs) 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. We're back with Our American Stories. Up next, one of our regular contributors, Dennis Peterson, with a story entitled Big Lessons for a Little Boy. Here's Dennis. Daddy, a self-employed brick mason, realized the importance of following principles of good labor management relations. From the time we were big enough to cause trouble for our mother at home, until we left for college, he insisted that my brother and I go to work with him. It was on the job that he began teaching us those common sense principles of labor and management. I certainly did not enjoy the work at the time, but it taught me many valuable lessons, and I frequently recall them. One principle Daddy taught us was to use our time wisely. Wasting time on the job was stealing from the employer. Using time wisely helps not only the boss, but also the employee. Another lesson that Daddy taught me was never to be found sitting down on the job. If I completed an assigned task and was caught loafing around, he quickly gave me another assignment. I remember cleaning out his cluttered toolbox countless times when there was nothing to do. As a kid, I was often tempted to do as little as possible and to waste time. Why should I go out of my way to find more work? But Daddy didn't pay my brother and me by the hour. 
Instead, he paid us by piecework. The more bricks or blocks we helped him lay, the more money we earned. I remember working for 25 cents per hundred bricks carried. Being only a little kid, I could carry only three bricks at a time, but I kept an almost hourly account of the money I was making. I counted how many bricks I carried and compared that number with how many Daddy was laying. It made me work harder and helped Daddy complete his jobs faster. Samuel Smiles wrote in Thrift, It is the idler, above all others, who is undignified and dishonorable. No idle or thriftless person ever became great. It is among those who never lost a moment that we find the men who moved and advanced the world. Daddy also taught us to be loyal and obedient. Workers today are transient creatures. Few of us stay at the same job for any great length of time. A constant shifting of jobs often results in a lack of loyalty. Daddy worked as a full-time, self-employed mason for more than 30 years. Most of that time, he worked for the same few contractors who usually kept him as busy as he wanted to be without expanding his company. He was consistent in his pricing, attendance, and work quality. And he taught us boys, by his example, the importance of loyalty to customers and clients. During that same time, however, he had many different employees in addition to Dale and me. Although many of them were good workers, others were simply job hoppers. They wanted good pay for little effort. They did not want to show up for work on time, and they wanted to quit early. The workers who worked for Daddy longest were also the most respectful, most obedient, and most diligent. Their years of work gained them not only a good income, but also a good reputation. John Ruskin once said, The highest reward for man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Daddy also taught us that to do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay was good. But honesty in labor goes far beyond hard work in return for a wage. It encompasses producing a high quality product, being truthful in advertising, and desiring to do one's best. I vividly remember Daddy's teaching me to rod joints. He emphasized the importance of getting them smooth and straight. He warned against rotting them before they had had a chance to dry and of letting them get too hard. Despite these admonitions, I sometimes tried to finish early, making an unsightly mess on the bricks. Or I procrastinated, making dark, ugly marks in the joints. It took a while for me, childlike as I was, to realize that my ineptness and procrastination or hastiness could affect Daddy's reputation as a mason. Daddy didn't want us to be satisfied with good enough for government work. He wanted us to do the best of which we were capable, not just good enough to get by. 
Samuel Smiles pointed out the danger of having the wrong attitude toward quality when he wrote in Thrift, It will do is a common phrase of those who neglect little things. It always means stopping short of the right thing. It is a makeshift. It is a failure and defeat. The old Newport News Shipbuilding and Dry Dock Company, prior to being taken over by Tenneco, tried to combat the it-will-do mentality. Their slogan was, We shall build good ships here, at a profit if we can, at a loss if we must, but always good ships. As if these lessons weren't enough to keep us young boys busy, Daddy also worked to develop in us patience and delayed gratification. We grew up in an instant age. We had instant coffee, instant tea, instant potatoes, instant winners, and instant pain relief. Like everyone else of that generation, we had so much stuff that was instant that we were sorely tempted not to tolerate waiting for anything. Daddy had to pay his other workers every week, but since Dale and I were his children, he could delay paying us, and he did. In fact, he typically didn't pay us for work during the summer until just before time for us to return to school in the fall. Even when he finally did pay us, he insisted that we save a portion of our earnings. What we didn't save, we were to use for our school needs, for example, clothes and supplies. If we wanted something that cost more than we could afford, he taught us to save our pennies patiently until we had enough to buy it. Often, we discovered that by the time we'd saved that amount, that we really didn't want that thing after all. Although Daddy paid his regular employees promptly, we witnessed his practicing patience when contractors were negligent in paying him. Sometimes he waited several weeks for a paycheck to come for a job he had completed. Finally, he would have to call and pester the person to get his payment. He gave the other guy the benefit of the doubt. Daddy was a man of his word, but I never recall his ever threatening an employee as an incentive for his working properly. He never yelled at them. He established a standard he expected them to maintain in their work, and he worked patiently with them to get them to that standard. If they weren't making progress in that direction, he simply let them go. No threats. He preferred a more positive approach. With us boys, he gave instructions. He set his expectations, and he expected us to meet them. No idle threats or yelling. These lessons he taught us were simple, yet they were profound simply because so few people live by them today. I'm glad he taught them to us because they shaped us into who we are today. We've not applied them perfectly or even consistently, but our weaknesses and failures do not change the validity of the arguments and they are lessons that the next generation would be better for learning and practicing. And thanks to Robbie for the production on that piece, and a special thanks to Dennis Peterson for contributing the storytelling about his father, Big Lessons for a Little Boy, 
And what an ingenious thing for the dad to do, bring the kids to work, give them jobs and give them hard jobs. And teaching them about labor and management, both sides of the coin, is really important. And my goodness, that idea that an honest day's work for an honest day's pay is good. Wow, what a terrific lesson for life. And also that his dad taught him to, well, work for their money by paying by piecework and not by the hour. By the way, the light bulb went off in the kid's head. We'll get paid more if we're productive and we'll pay less if we slow walk this. Great lessons, lessons only parents can tell. And parents, if not, well, the outer world will teach some lessons to the kids and they may not be yours. Dennis Peterson's story, his father's story, here on Our American Stories. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finish. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.